Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with a brand new episode here on The Truth. Back with my boy, AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing great, now. How are you doing? I'm doing great as well. So we've officially made it semi. We are in the final week of the regular season. We have three shows lined up, lined up for you. There's no Thursday night game. So what we decided to do was do two fantasy football slash NFL previews. One for the Saturday games, which is this one, and then one for the Sunday games, as well as our weekly NFL pick because there's going to be two Saturday games as the Steelers take on the Ravens and the Texans take on the Colts. And then obviously the final day of the regular season in the NFL. So how this show will work, today's show will work, is it will kind of be a combination of like a Thursday night special as well as a weekly fantasy preview. We'll first recap week 17's Thursday night game between the Jets and the Browns, and then we'll go into our three takeaways from last week as a whole. We'll then move into the Week 18 portion where we'll kick off with Steelers at Ravens and do the Thursday night format of two keys to success for the Steelers, two keys to success for the Ravens, and then our game prediction. We'll do the same for the Texans and the Colts, and then we'll do our game prediction, and then we'll go into fantasy football. And for fantasy football, we're just going to do our must-starts, or one must-start, one must-sit, one sleeper and bust. So it's not going to be two. So kind of a weird show. We'll bring you guys along with it, and it should be good to get kickstart Week 18 here in the NFL. But before we can go ahead and do that, let's first recap Week 17's Thursday night matchup between the Browns and the Jets. The Browns beat the Jets at home 37-20 to to clinch the number 5 seed in the AFC. For the New York Jets, no Zach Wilson, still a major problem. Trevor Simeon, 32 for 45, 261 yards, one touchdown, and a pick six. Brees Hall continued to have a very stagnated game, eight, 13 rushes for 84 yards, also caught the ball nine times for 42 yards and a score. Garrett Wilson, five catches, 50 yards. Tyler Conklin, five catches, 50, 45 yards, excuse me. On the defensive side, Jordan Whitehead led the team there with six tackles for the Jets. Um, then, obviously, Jermaine Johnson picked six there as well. He also picked up a fumble recovery. On the flip side for the Browns, Joe Flacco, 19 for 29, 309 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Jerome Ford, 12 rushes, 64 yards. Kareem Hunt, 10 rushes, 31 yards, and a score. David Njoku, 6 catches, 134 yards in the day, was the leading receiver for the Browns. Elijah Moore, 5 catches, 61 yards, a touchdown, and a concussion. And Jerome Ford, 2 catches, 57 yards, and 2 scores as well. On the defensive side for them, Taki Taki led the way with 11 tackles. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, the safety, picked the off. Trevor Simeon took it to the house. And Miles Garrett picked up a sack as well as Wright. Uh, that will be uh, another guy there on the defensive line there, Alex Wright, the other defensive end. So the Browns win this game here 37-20. to 20. What were some takeaways you had from this matchup? So the first one is that Joe Flacco taking those mid, mid-game naps is what's making him good. I mean, he was falling asleep on the sidelines. I think it realistically was at the end of the game, but it's kind of funny. They panned over at him, and he's, like, fading out from falling asleep and, like, trying to stay awake. Uh, next up, Brees Hall is the entire Jets offense right now. Uh, two weeks ago, I believe he had, like, 80 yards through the air, 80 yards on the ground, and, like, two touchdowns. This week, as you mentioned, 13 carries, 84 yards. Uh, he led the team receptions with nine. He was third on the, on the team with 42 rushing yards, but also had a – Receive, or re, uh, receiving yards and also had a receiving touchdown there. I mean, he's been the entire offense these last two weeks. And this is kind of the Brees Hall. I think a lot of this is expected and kind of ending on a high note uh, going into next season. I think a lot of people are going to want to be picking him up for fantasy. He'll probably be like a second, third round uh, type of pick. And then David Njoku, Njoku finally gets a quarterback that gives him the ball. I mean, 
these last two weeks have been really solid. I believe two weeks ago he had like uh, two touchdowns, a good amount of yards this week. Led team in catches at six and yards 134. I mean, all the other quarterbacks Najoki's had throughout his career hasn't really given him the opportunity, given the ball as much as as he should have been getting. I mean, OBJ, I know, is on the team demanding the ball a lot. Uh, Sam Jarvis Landry, then Mark Cooper came over. Uh, so he hasn't, he's, he's already been the number one option, but now that he's been the number one option, he's kind of showing it. And that, yeah, he didn't get the score, but leading the team in targets and receptions, uh, just giving him the ball a lot. He's a freak of nature. I mean, coming back from those burns and still playing in the season, I mean, it's kind of uh, shows how, like, how good that he is, but also, like, how crazy that he is, like, when he gets the ball and how good he can be. Yeah, so in this matchup here, the first one I said was the Browns are really good. Like, they are really good. They've gone through a lot this season, obviously, losing Nick Chubb, obviously, to Sean Watson. They found ways to, you know, overcome. Joe Flacco's been a big part of that. But this Browns defense has also stepped up to the plate as well. And Kevin Stefanski, my opinion, should win Coach of the Year for the way that he's been able to kind of manage this roster and have success. I mean, we knew the Browns were good, but this was just complete domination. I felt like the Jets were out of it basically by the first kickoff. Um, but for the Browns, you know, they're really good. As you mentioned, Joe Flacco taking naps on the bench. Maybe he saw the cameras are on him. Or maybe, you know, he's a little tired. He's 38 years old, you know, something like that. So getting up there in age. But, I mean, when you're out there performing the way that he's been performing, I'd probably get tired and bored too. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Joe Flacco is going to be sitting next week with the Browns securing the number five seed. But they look really good going into the postseason. Second, I said Brees Hall is insane. I don't think there's another word to put for Brees Hall. I mean, it seems like, He's just been a fantasy guru these last two, three weeks. If you had him on your fantasy championship rosters, I know he had scored like 40 fantasy points. And then last week, you know, I was up there again with the nine catches. But Brees Hall is single-handedly that Jets offense. I think, you know, the hope was that Brees Hall would eventually become the number one back there. But let's not forget until, you know, a couple days ago when they parted ways with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was brought in to kind of be a good one-two punch with Brees Hall. But Brees Hall has really utilized that backfield. It helps when there's a lot of backup quarterbacks because backup quarterbacks tend to dump the ball off to their running backs. But Brees Hall has always been a primarily, you know, pass-catching running back. So the pass-catching aspect doesn't surprise me. It is a bit interesting how insane he's been because you look at guys like Garrett Wilson, who I feel like haven't had as much success or haven't really made not necessarily a name for themselves, but way, way, way we're down from expectations, you know. And it's not necessarily their fault. They just can't get it to them. The Jets' offense, you know, it just it went down when Aaron Rodgers went down all the way on the first drive of the season. So you got to put some blame there. But Brees Hall is really good, you know, obviously towards Achilles or ACL the last year. Um, you know, so he's able to come back this year and have success. With a healthy Aaron Rodgers, I'm curious to see how he utilized Brees Hall. I know that Dalvin Cook's not on the team anymore, but maybe Dalvin Cook's production would go up as well. And then finally, I said the Jets' defense is bright. And that's the one bright spot I think Jets fans can be excited about. Yeah, their defense technically gave up like 30 points. Obviously, the pick six uh, didn't count for them. But also, you got to bear in mind, too, this Jets' defense is completely overwhelmed at times. I mean, they're on the field all the time. If your defense is on the field 50, 60, 70% of the game, obviously, they're going to give up points. I mean, these are NFL-caliber offenses. So you're going to expect them to give up points. But there's a lot of key pieces on that defensive side. Obviously, Quinn and Williams up front guys like Sauce Gardner, you know, in the secondary. This Jets defense, I think, is something that Jets fans should be excited about. And maybe having Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position and having a stable offense can really, you know, bring out that Jets defense, give them more time to sit on the bench and have them not be exhausted, you know, by the second quarter. So, yeah, although their defense didn't look necessarily bright in this game, I did see a lot of hustle. I saw a lot of heart, right? They made a couple plays, you know, pick six, all that stuff. They could have easily folded, but they didn't. That just goes to show that this defense is young and this defense is vastly improving. So, you know, time 
will really come soon for the Jets' defense, and then hopefully that will translate for the Jets' offense and success as well. Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and give our three takeaways from last week in the entire NFL. So go ahead and give me your three takeaways from last week. So my first takeaway uh, from last week is – sorry, is going to be uh, the Eagles losing. I mean, against the Cardinals of all teams, I mean, that was my lock of the week last week was Eagles being the Cardinals. I don't think I've had many locks of the week fail, but this was bad. Uh, Jalen Hurts, yeah, he had three passing touchdowns to one interception, but 18 for 23, only 167 yards there uh, in that game. That was just bad. It, the rain game really couldn't get going. Uh, obviously not passing game really couldn't get going. Yeah, he had the three touchdowns. Two of them went to Julio Jones, which was two of Julio Jones' catches. Uh, but the Cardinals looked really good. They were able to run the ball to James Conner, uh, 26 carries, 128 yards, a touchdown. Kyler Murray, 232 yards, three touchdowns, a pick there. I mean, he was able, they were able to get the ball moving. It's one of the best defenses uh, in the NFL, which was super surprising uh, to me uh, in this game. I mean, it was just one of the things where it was my lock of the week and kind of surprised me and came out of nowhere. Next up is Lamar Jackson is the real deal. I mean, I've been saying it all year. If you guys have been listening, this, Lamar's had a really underrated season uh, since the beginning, since like the week two or three that he should be in MVP talks. Uh, and it's finally coming through. He's, right now, I believe he's the favorite at like plus 20,000 or minus 20,000 right now. Uh, last week, 18 for 21, 321 uh, passing yards, five passing touchdowns. Didn't really need to run the ball. Six rush attempts for 35 yards. I mean, he was able to do anything he wanted against the Dolphins. The Dolphins looked really bad defensively. Offensively, Tua didn't look uh, good at all. And last up, I know it's gonna it's going to be a game that really didn't matter. It's going to be uh, Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. I mean, Justin Fields did everything he could in this game uh, in a 20-point win over the Falcons. Uh, 268 yards. You don't usually see that many yards out of him. Passing touchdown, 11 rushes, 45 yards, and a touchdown. But they're able to get everything going. Khalil Herbert, 124 yards, rushing touchdown there. Roshan Johnson had a rushing touchdown. DJ Moore, nine catches, 159 yards, and a touchdown. It's more of just the Bears as a whole, uh, not just Justin Fields, but Joseph Fields is trying to show why he should be there. He's trying to uh, prove to whoever team is going to trade him what type of quarterback he can be. Uh, I personally think the Bears should keep him and trade the first overall pick because of how well this team's been playing uh, right now and with everyone being healthy. But just this Bears team making a push, I think their playoff chances, I they're very slim, but they can make the playoffs, I'm pretty sure, uh, depending on how certain games go. But th- they are still in the hunt or in the bubble, technically, I believe. Yeah, so for my three takeaways from last week, I first got to go with my Vikings. Jaron Hall is not the answer. Uh, Jaron Hall got his, well, second start of his career and second start of the season. The first start went a lot better on the road there in Atlanta. The second start was not very good. Jaron Hall finished 5 for 10 for 67 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Got pulled after the first half. On the flip side of that, Jordan Love is him, man. Jordan Love was throwing the ball like there is no tomorrow. 24 for 33, 256 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Also had a rushing touchdown as well. Jordan Love, you know, he's really established himself into a good quarterback. Now, how long is that going to stand for? Is that going to stand for the rest of his career? Is it going to be like one of those things where next year he kind of has a hangover effect and isn't that efficient? I don't know. What I do know is he's playoff caliber right now. 
All the Packers have to do is win next week, and they control their destiny. And Jordan Love will be in the postseason, which, in my opinion, I wasn't expecting to happen. You know, just because I thought Jordan Love's first full season, we saw at the start of the season, it was a little bit lackluster, right? He didn't perform as well as we were expecting and things like that. So, you know, I think it's part of it. But you look at Jordan Love and his evolution, I think it's huge. I think it also shows that, you know, the Vikings, they need to re-sign Kirk Cousins, it seems like, at this class, because we've tried three different options. Tried Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins, and now Sharon Hall, and nothing's good than or nothing's better than good old Captain Kirk. Uh, secondly, I did want to talk about the Ravens' dominance once again, and Lamar cementing his MVP. Look, the Ravens absolutely throttled the Dolphins. They killed them on offense, defense, and special teams. Tremendous effort there, and Lamar Jackson is my MVP. He was my MVP going into that week as well, but he just I mean, absolutely dominated. You talk about going up against one of the better teams in the AFC, but the NFL as well, and the way that he was able to have success there. I mean, he was pouncing on that Dolphins team. He was having so much success, didn't end up playing in like the final six, seven minutes of the game just because they were blowing them out by so much, winning 59-16. to 16. But Lamar Jackson, 18 for 21. That's pretty remarkable of itself. 325 yards and five touchdowns to zero interceptions. Also ran the ball six times for 35 yards as well. Like, it was just perfect for Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah. This was kind of a weird situation, a weird year where there was potentially, you know, not going to be a quarterback win the MVP, but Lamar is the best player in football. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, probably the second best player, had a good chance of winning as well. Tua definitely (laughs) dropped his chances of winning MVP, but yeah, it was a good game for Lamar there and just the Ravens as a whole. They've clinched the number one seed now for sure. They're sitting in Lamar and probably some other starters, so... Good to see the Ravens have success there, especially against the Miami team there at home and set up a very big matchup between the Dolphins and the Bills. And then finally, I just said the Eagles choke. Look, the Eagles losing to the Cardinals completely changes course there in the NFC. The Cowboys now have firm control of the NFC East with that controversial win versus the Detroit Lions. All the Cowboys need to do is win next week at Washington. If they're able to win next week against Washington, they are the NFC East champs. Now, if they lose and Philadelphia wins, then Philadelphia you know, is, is back in the running there. But Whoever wins probably has a good chance or whoever wins the NFC of, of being the number two seed for sure. Number three, but number two seed would be huge for them. You know, go up against a team like the Packers or the Saints or the Vikings, whoever ends up running out that final wild card spot. So there's a lot on the line there. And both the Cowboys and the Eagles are playing on the road. You know, one's playing, the Eagles are playing at the Giants and the Cowboys are playing at the Commanders. So it could really be anyone's game, particularly in the NFC East division. But you know, the Eagles were in firm control there and, and found a way to lose at home. They had a pretty good lead to start. Kyler Murray brought the troops back, and they were able to win the game there. So just the Eagles choke, yeah, it's part of it. But, you know, obviously you'd rather get that out in the regular season than, you know, having the choke in the playoffs and, and losing a playoff game or two because of it. So just thought it was interesting, especially at home there in Philadelphia. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at the Saturday games here. First matchup, Steelers at the Ravens. Big game there for the Steelers. Ravens are going to be resting some players. What are your two keys to success for the Steelers? So the first one for the Steelers uh, is going to be that Najee takeover. I mean, Najee had a great game last week against the Seahawks. Uh, in that game, 27 carries, 122 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, nothing through the air, uh, but he, he really just dominated throughout the entire game. It was really just the entire running game. I mean, Jalen Warren, 13 rushes, 75 yards, a rushing touchdown. Also, four catches, 23 yards out of the backfield. I mean, they're able to get that running back duo going how they were earlier in the year, uh, and this is what they're able to do. I mean, Mason Rudolph uh, had 274 yards mainly because the the running game really opened up the passing game. Pickens had se- seven rush or seven receptions, 120, 131 yards. Uh, Deontay Johnson, four catches, 76 yards. I mean, 
it's going to really come down to Najee Harris and Joe Warren to uh, open up that uh, running game to be able to let Mason Rudolph have any type of success just because Rudolph really isn't that type of quarterback. And they're technically still able to make the playoffs depending on what uh, a lot of other teams do. They are 7-9 and nine right now, third in the AFC North. So it's one of those things where there's an outside shot that they really need to win this game, uh, which is going to be hard. I mean, against the Ravens, I know they're resting guys, but it's just going to be hard to be able to do that. The Ravens is just a really good team. And TJ Watt, uh, not letting whoever is going to be a quarterback, I believe they are resting Lamar. I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, But not not giving it whoever's a quarterback time. But also linebackers containing whoever's that quarterback. Uh, TJ Watt just needs to be able to get to the quarterback as quickly as possible. They weren't able, TJ uh, had a solo tackle and assist last week. He really didn't affect that much. He didn't get many pressures either. He let, in that game, Geno Smith had enough time to throw basically 300 yards and touchdown. Uh, right in the game, they were able to shut down, but it's that defense really stopping the Ravens, not letting the quarterback have time or be able to contain the quarterback. Because whoever's that quarterback, uh, I don't remember who the backup is, but whoever the quarterback is, is usually a running quarterback. For, uh, for the Ravens, whoever the backup is, just because they want a similar game uh, like Lamar at quarterback. So it's going to be one of those things where if they're able to contain uh, Tyler Huntley, it is. Uh, if they're able to contain Tyler Huntley and not be able to let him play uh, the type of game or type of scheme that the Ravens are used to, it's going to be harder for the Ravens to win, even though they've already secured their spot in the playoffs. Yeah, so my two keys to success for the Steelers. First of all is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's been some conflicting reports. I know Mason Rudolph is getting the start there in week 18. And whether Kenny Pickett's fully healthy or not, I mean, at the end of the day, Mason Rudolph's been playing really great football, especially the last couple of weeks there for the Steelers, which is exactly what you want. I mean, yeah, you think Kenny Pickett's your franchise guy. He can very well be and still be your franchise guy. But at the end of the day, Mason Rudolph is hot right now. So why would you try changing that? Why would you try changing something that's working for the Steelers, especially in a potential winning get in situation? So, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rangers definitely got to continue to lead the way there and to continue to have success. And if they're able to do that, I think that's going to be huge. Secondly, I said the Steelers running game against the Ravens front. Look, I know Najee Harris is a bit banged up. Obviously, he's questionable at the moment of recording this podcast, so I don't know if he's going to be playing or not. But, you know, you look at this matchup here and the Pittsburgh Steelers as a whole, they've really had success when both their running backs are getting going. Last week, Najee Harris had a great game, 27 carries for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Warren, 13 carries, 75 yards and a score as well. So getting both those running backs going is going to be huge for them. And I think it's going to be one of those things that as time goes on, like especially if these two continue to develop, because there was obviously talk at the beginning stages of the year, you know, saying that Najee Harris needs to get out of there, et cetera. But Najee Harris is a very big power back, obviously, compared to Jalen Warren. And Jalen Warren, in my opinion, is more of an elusive back. So those two together could be a really good combination. I'm really excited to see. Hopefully they stick together and have success. But especially against the Ravens front, if you're able to run the football efficiently, just like they were not only last week against Seattle, but just in general against that Ravens front, it's going to open up so many opportunities for the Steelers to have success. Okay, your two keys to success for the Ravens. So my first one... uh... I believe Lamar, I forgot that they're probably going to rest Lamar, but my first one was going to be uh, Lamar pass first and then run if needed. I mean, that's what he did last week. Um, I guess that success is going to be less for this game and more for the actual playoffs. Uh, a key for them, if he's able to do that, I think this offense is going to have a lot of success or a lot of success, a lot more success than what they've uh, already been having. 
But it's more of like this game doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I mean, they secured their own playoff spot. Uh, they've already uh, chosen chosen where they're going to be at this point. Uh, it, again, this game is not going to be the end of the world if they lose. It would be great if they didn't. But uh, being able to contain that running back game, I think, would probably be a big part of it, especially for how successful Warren and Najee have been uh, when they both have good games. And then that really sets up any type of play action for Ru- Mason Rudolph. And then being able to pressure and create turnovers like they did uh, against the Dolphins. I want to say Tua had uh, one or maybe two interceptions in that game, uh, two interceptions in that game, but they are also get, able to get a good amount of pressure. The Ravens get, didn't really give Tua much time there. I believe they had two, they only had two sacks or three sacks in the game, but uh, their pressures, I think they had like 12 pressures uh, where, uh, where what they call pressure, uh, basically where they, Tua has to scramble out of the pocket or he doesn't have a certain amount of time in the pocket. They, I think 12 pressures is something that they had, and they're able to really force Tua to be able to make really bad decisions. So if they're able to get a less experienced quarterback like Mason Rudolph, who's been a career backup basically or a career third stringer at some points as well, if they're able to not give him much time and make him make dumb decisions and turn the ball over, uh, unlike he did in the first game where he was very – uh, whereas he had a good completion percentage and he was very uh, conservative with the ball. If they're able to make him have to go out and make plays, I don't expect him to do that. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird situation for the Ravens, right? Because the Ravens are a team that are sitting, their starters are sitting Lamar Jackson, obviously. So you're not necessarily expecting a lot of success from the Ravens. And my first key to success if you're you know trying to win the game is just have success without Lamar. Because obviously Lamar is a very integral part. In my opinion, he's going to be winning MVP this season. So clearly he's had a big impact on your team throughout the year. That's going to be something they have to play without. I think Tyler Huntley is a great backup to Lamar Jackson. That's been emphasized, you know, just the way that he's been able to play, especially when Lamar was out the past couple of seasons. So, you know, play without Lamar is going to be huge. Get the running backs going, get the running game going, whatever running backs are on the table. I know Melvin Gordon probably going to get good playing time. He got in the end zone last week. So just play without Lamar, you know, if you're really trying to win this game here. I mean, obviously you want to beat a division rival. I'm guessing they're not the biggest fans of Steelers, of the Steelers, as most divisional opponents don't like each other. And you can do some serious damage to the Steelers, you know, and their playoff hopes by coming away with a victory there. So be curious to see, you know, how they play without Lamar. But secondly, just take out Mason Rudolph. I mean, Mason Rudolph's a good quarterback, good game manager quarterback last week he only had you know 200 some yards no touchdowns no interceptions but take out mason rudolph right get an interception or two especially early on because especially if the steelers team is you know playing from behind or you know playing with having to pass the ball compared to running the football this Steelers team is in a far more vulnerable position than having a very established running game going so those would be my two takeaways is just play without lamar and take out mason rudolph and really make the steelers throw the ball if you make the steelers throw the ball Mason Rudolph's, you know, Hollywood run is going to eventually come to an end, whether it's this week or in the playoffs or whenever it is. So being able to take him out can help uh, happen very soon and, and put this team in a far better position to win. Okay, what's your game prediction in this one? So I forgot that they're starting. They had their starters going when, I've made, when I made my game prediction. Originally, it was going to be 35 to 10, but I'm going to lower it. I think it's going to be uh, 20 I'll say 24 to 17 will be the final score there. I still have the Ravens winning, uh, even with the Steelers uh, most likely having the upper hand uh, with the Ravens uh, not having their stars in. But like I said before, this Raven team is just, they're good top to bottom. Their backups are good. I expect, I, I think they're still going to win this game. 
Uh, as you said, the Ravens are probably not big fans of Steelers, and the Steelers aren't big fans of Ravens. So it's going to be a fun interdivisional game. I think it will be a little bit closer than what I originally expected. So, yeah, 24-17. I uh, still have the Ravens winning, though. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game for me. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Ravens winning as well. I think they're going to win by a slow or slow, a little margin here. I think it's going to be like a three-point victory, something like that. Look, Steelers are feeling a bit hot. They've won their last two games, one at Seattle and one against home against the Bengals, you know, the day before Christmas Eve. The Ravens are sitting everybody, and obviously they want to win. And I think the Steelers fans are like, hey, you know, we're, we're Steelers fans. You know, we're, we get lucky. The Ravens get to sit everybody. But I think the Ravens are going to find a way to win. They're just the best team in football this season, and I think they're going to want to end their season on a high note. Also, too, this Ravens team is very talented from top to bottom. They got really good backups that can fit in some holes and have success. As I mentioned on the offensive side, guys like Tyler Huntley, who could play quarterback on a good amount of teams. Melvin Gordon, there was a time and period where he was, you know, the big name running back before he – end up getting into a contract this year, and then his career fell through the drain. But, you know, they have some guys top to bottom that can really compete with the Steelers. And I think the Steelers are going to get humbled, and I think they're going to lose this game here because obviously Steelers fans think they're going to win and make the postseason. But I think the Ravens come away with the victory. If it was at Pittsburgh, I think I'd give the benefit of the doubt to the Steelers. But since it's at the Ravens, it's hard to win on the road, especially in a divisional matchup. I'm going to go with the Ravens winning this game. And hopefully they do so some Steelers fans can shut up. Okay, and then the second game here on Saturday, the Texans and the Colts. Give me your two keys to success for the Texans. So my first uh, first one's going to be C.J. Stroud being him. I mean, C.J. Stroud's been uh, great all year. Missed some time with the concussion. But outside of that, he's been really good. Uh, they're in the playoff race. Both teams are the Texans and uh, the Colts. Uh, so just him being able to do what he did before. Yeah, he won't have Tank Dell, but Nico Collins is going to be another a uh, step closer to being healthy than what he was last week, even though he had a pretty solid game. And then defensively, having to stop uh, Jonathan Taylor early. I know that Zach Moss uh, didn't play last week. I'm not uh, sure about his status for this week, but I'm going to assume uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be that lead back uh, either way. Last week was his real was his real time or first time really having uh, that number one back type role, 21 carries, 96 yards. Uh, and a touchdown, only one catch uh, for eight yards through the air, which is a little more interesting. Uh, he usually will get more than just the one catch per, in a game. But being able to stop him early, because if you're able to stop Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be harder for uh, Gardner Minshew to be able to go out and uh, have a good game. Now, the Texans defense through the air has also been really bad. We've seen Baker Mayfield have that huge game against them. And same with a lot of other teams. Uh, Joe Flacco had a really good game against them, uh, against the pass, against their pass defense. So it's one of those things, if they're able to get Jonathan Taylor to stop it, I mean, that's one less thing to worry about, especially if they're able to stop him early on, be able to stop a run uh, by them getting up by uh, maybe a touchdown or two. It's going to be one of those things where uh, their biggest their biggest threat on offense, Jonathan Taylor, isn't going to be the, as big of a threat as he normally is. Yeah, so my first key to success for the Texans is just C.J. Stroud. I mean, it's two words. C.J. Stroud obviously came back last week, was able to have success. You know, for C.J. Stroud and the Texans as a whole, he's actually surprised a lot of people, including myself. I mean, last week, as mentioned, his first game back, 24-32, 213 yards, and one touchdown through the air. Just that one carry for four yards, obviously. Just safe, safeguarding his health a little bit, but... C.J. Stroud is going to have to be the X factor in this one again. I mean, the tech, the Titans weren't really good. The Texans actually had a really easy schedule this season just because of how bad they faced or placed last year 
they have a really easy schedule this year, which it's part of the NFL. So I'm not trying to say like, obviously they have no control over it, but you know, now you're going up against a fiercer competitor in the Colts. who have really surprised a lot of people. As you mentioned, um, you know, Zach Moss, he did fully practice on Wednesday. So I think he's going to be good to go at least some point for repetitions. But you look at CJ Stroud as a whole and leading that offense. He doesn't have his one of his favorite targets in Tank Dell. Obviously, he was out for the year, you know, four or five weeks ago. Um, getting Devin Singletary going in the ground game would be huge. Guys like Damian Pierce, all that stuff. But CJ Stroud just continuing to play more. I'd like to see him use his legs a little bit. I know the Colts don't have necessarily the best of defenses, but I feel like anytime you're able to get a guy like CJ Stroud in the pocket or out of the pocket, I should say, I think it does open up the door for a lot of opportunities for success. That's one of the things I would say about CJ Stroud in this matchup. But at the end of the day, like he's the Texans uh, front runner, best player on offense, and probably one of the best players on the team. And has been, you know, the lead cause for the reason why they're sitting with the nine and seven record. And then secondly, I just said pounce on the Colts early. Like obviously, as you mentioned, having a good running game with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss is going to be important for the Colts to have success. So it's kind of a similar situation. If the Ravens pounce on the Steelers early, you take away the Colts running game that opens up a lot of opportunities for success for the Houston Texans. And so being able to take away Gardner Minshew or Jonathan Taylor, or Zach Moss or Michael Pittman, whatever the situation is, just take away some of their best options, slow down their offense, take firm control. And that's where they're going to have success. That's what they did last week against Tennessee. They were able to have success, leave, uh, allowing seven points there against the Titans. They've done that a couple of other times as well throughout the season. Did it to the Saints, I felt like, to an extent. Obviously did it to the Steelers. Um, so they've been able to have some type of success there, and that's going to be huge if they want to have the ball and you know take time off the clock and come away with a W. Okay, your two keys to success for the Colts. So stopping the big plays, uh, C.J. Stroud has been able to create big plays throughout this entire season. Uh, even the running backs have been able to here and there. Uh, guys like Devin Singletary having big runs uh, every so often. But the big plays is always what seems like it's going to come down to. Now, Tank Dell was that big play type guy uh, for him. But we've seen other guys be able to have success as well uh, with C.J. Stroud having those big plays. Obviously, Nico Collins uh, last week, he didn't have any huge plays, but some catches 80 yards there. Guys like Dalton Schultz uh, could always pop off and have a good game. Noah Brown had a really good game just a few weeks ago. Uh, but this big play, uh, big plays is something that they're definitely going to have to try to limit, uh, especially through the air. CJ Stroud, you have enough time. Uh, he's talented enough to be able to read the defense and really pick him apart, especially for like 40 yard uh, passes, like every, like once every uh, drive or every other drive. Seems like he's always good ones. To be able to limit those and break those up, uh, I think it's going to really help the Texans and or help the Colts uh, slow down the Texans and make the Texans run the ball. Uh, that's the part of the big plays is don't CJ be able to uh, be back there and pick apart the defense. The running backs have really haven't been that good. Singletary's had a good game uh, here and there, but even then he's been a me- very mediocre running back up to this point. Guys like Damian Pierce, I know he's been in- he's had injury issues. Uh, but he's been very underwhelming. I thought he was going to have a really good year after having a really good, a really solid year, uh, his rookie season. But being able to uh, make him run the ball, be able to have to take away the deep ball, those big passes, those big plays, uh, have to be more of that, uh, more of those drives where it's a 10, 12, uh, 15 play drive where they're kind of just having to slow it down, have to just kind of dump it off to the right and back or wearing crossers because they aren't able to. Uh, get that big play as they're used to being able to do. 
Yeah, so my first key to success was just a healthy running game. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor being back and a healthy Zach Moss. As mentioned, I do think that Zach Moss is going to be playing. Obviously, record this a little bit before the game itself, so we don't know for sure, but he was back fully practicing. Jonathan Taylor last week, 21 carries, 96 yards, and a score. Also, guys like Trey Sermon, Tyler Goodson have made an impact as well. So for some reason, guys get injured in the game or something like that. They have a good, stable running game. The bottom line is just have success running the football. And this opens up so much opportunity for success. Gardner Minshew, you know, he's a good quarterback, but he's also way more efficient when the running game's going compared to having to do it at all, like a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen type of situation. So get the running game going, get Jonathan Taylor, as well as Zach Moss going. That opens up the door for a lot of opportunities for success. And secondly, the other one I said was just Gardner be a game manager. It kind of coincides one uh, one point or another. Gardner Minshew is a guy that's not going to go throw for 400 yards on a consistent basis. He's going to throw anywhere from maybe 150 to 300 yards, maybe not even have a score and an interception, but just do whatever the game desires. If the game desires hitting the ball off and, you know, be faking on play action or whatever, then do that. If, you know, the game requires to throw the ball a little bit more, then do that as well, right? You're an NFL quarterback. You're definitely capable of doing it. I think now it's time for Gardner to, to, to do so. Gardner's playing for an opportunity to play elsewhere. You know, he might sign with a team like Minnesota or a team that needs a quarterback, you know, next season because he isn't going to be a free agent next year. So be a game manager. And, uh, yeah, this game is just so important to both sides. I think we can both agree that, you know, maybe not as much for the, the Colts, but both sides maybe weren't projected to be it where they're at this point. And the reason why is because they've had success on all facets of the game and have dealt with some injuries as well. And speaking of this AFC South division matchup, what is your game prediction in this one? I think this is going to be a pretty close game. I think that's going to be less than a touchdown difference. I have it being 28 uh, to 24 Texans winning it. Uh, This game is a huge interdivisional game. Uh, It's one of those games where both teams is right there. I believe they both have the same record at nine and seven. The Colts right now are the number seven seed uh, in the hunt. The Texans are number eight seed uh, right now. If they're able to beat the Colts, they move up to that seven seed, uh, potentially further up to still be in the hunt uh, to make it. Uh, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a lot harder. There's no number six team right now in the playoffs uh, uh, for the AFC just because there's three teams right now between the Bills, Jags, and Colts who are all in the hunt, and Texans are right there. Uh, with the same record as the Colts and Jags, which is really interesting that all three that all three of those teams in that division all had the same record, which is kind of wild because they were looked at being maybe like the second or third worst division in the entire NFL behind a few other ones. So I think it's gonna be an interesting. I think it's gonna be a close one throughout. I think it's definitely gonna go back and forth. I think it's gonna definitely come down to like each team's like last uh, one or two possessions if they're able to grind it out and be able to go down and get it. A timely score. So for me in this one, I'm going to go with the Texans winning as well. I like you know a three four point margin. I have them winning thirty to twenty seven. As you mentioned, this game has huge implications. I think I was watching Sports Center. I know I was watching Sports Center the other day, but I think they had said the winner of this game automatically gets a playoff spot. And if the Jaguars were to lose to the Titans, the winner of this game actually wins the division. So this game is huge. I don't know if, you know, one of these teams lose. I think they would need some help to make the postseason. So it seems like a playoff game in and of itself. You know, Indy's going to be rocking there. They host a lot of big games. So you know, the fans are going to be there to support. But this is a huge game for both sides. And as mentioned before, both sides maybe weren't projected to be at this point. Now that they are, they got to find a way to, you know, finish the job. And so this is going to be a big matchup here. But I'm going to go with the Texans because I've been doubting them all season. And they've obviously, you know, risen to expectations and had success. And I think we can all agree, seeing the Texans in the postseason, especially where they're at last year, 
I'm a huge D'Amico Ryans fan. I think he's done a great job for the Texans. And this Texans team, you know, can get back to that Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins era very soon. And I think they have a lot to look forward to. They haven't had a lot to look forward to really up until this point. And so I think the Texans are going to come away with a victory. But it's going to be hard to do there on the road there in Indianapolis. But it should be a good game. Like I said, this game is just so huge for so many, so many reasons. That's why it's, you know, the last game on Saturday and basically a win and get in situation for both sides. All right, just, well, I shouldn't say quickly, but we're going to go through our one must start, one must sit, one sleep rent bus for these Saturday games. So go ahead and give me your must start for these Saturday games. So the first one, I'm going to go with Nico Collins. He's the number one wide receiver there with Tink Dell being out uh, with the leg injury. I think CJ Shaw is going to target him a lot. Uh, the Colts' run defense has always been pretty solid. They have they've never given up like 150 plus yards to a running back. Uh, if they do, it's not often. So I see them passing the ball a good amount. I think Nico Collins will find the end zone uh, once, potentially twice in this game, and have over 75, 80 yards uh, here as well. Uh, the Colts also would seem like they always let one player uh, kind of go off against them. It's one of those things where. They're able to secure like three or four or two or three other guys, but there's always just one guy uh, who's always having a big game against them. And I'm going to assume it's going to be Nico Collins because he should be the number one wide receiver in targets and uh, catches here. So I'm going to go in that same game and actually that same team. And I'm going to go with CJ Stroud. Now, obviously, I wasn't the biggest CJ Stroud fan, but. You know, as of late, obviously he got injured last week. I think there's some skepticism with a 12.92 fantasy point total last week. We've seen him get upwards of 30, 30.86 there at Jacksonville, and even upwards of 20 as well. So I think a lot of opportunities for success. More than anything, I think this is just going to be a decently high-scoring game as well. And, you know, CJ Stroud had that one touchdown last week, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has three. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a rushing touchdown, either added to that three touchdown or part of that three touchdown core. I think there'll be three touchdowns from CJ Stroud. I think he's going to get some guys going, maybe guys like Nico Collins, obviously, as you said, emerging as the number one wide receiver as time has gone on throughout the season. Um, he also has mentioned he got four. I forgot to mention this. He got 41.8 points. Let's not forget there against Tampa Bay, where he had 470 yards and five touchdowns there. So a lot of upside for CJ Stroud. Now, again, with these fantasy portion here, I think a lot of leagues are done, but there are some two-week leagues and even regular leagues in general that are during Week 18. So it's kind of a weird situation, especially guys that are going to be, you know, resting or whatever. But C.J. Stroud's not. I just think the matchup is perfect. I think he slowly builds up to get you at least 20, 22 fantasy points, especially at this point in the season, especially if you have C.J. Stroud and where you drafted him. If you can get 20 fantasy points from C.J. Stroud at Indianapolis, I think he's definitely a must-start. Okay, what about your must-sit? So my wife said it's going to be another player from that game, another Texan. It's going to be Dalton Schultz. Uh, on the season, he only averages usually like around uh, three, maybe four uh, receptions per game. Not a lot of targets. I know against the Browns, he had eight catches, 61 yards. The last time he had double-digit uh, targets, you have to go back uh, to November 5th against Tampa, where he had 10 receptions on 11 targets, 130 yards in a touchdown. Uh, he really only had like uh, between one to four catches the last few weeks. It's been right around uh, one to two, not many yards either. Uh, and also not many targets. Uh, he averages, I want to say it looks like right around like five targets per game. And they're usually not long uh, receptions. His longest of the year is uh, 31 yards. So it's not like he's going to get the ball. He's a big yak guy. I don't see him going to, uh, going to Schultz a lot either. Like I said before, uh, the Colts are very good at limiting like two or three guys, but there's always one that torches them. 
and the one I I think is going to torture him is going to be Nico Collins. So with that, I have Schultz uh, being one of the guys that they are able to cover very well. So I'm going to go Mason Rudolph as my must-sit. Look, Mason Rudolph had 20 fantasy points against the Bengals. I really think that's going to be where he gets capped. Now, he's only rostered in 1% of leagues, and most people are probably not going to be starting Mason Rudolph in their championship game. But who knows? Maybe there's a Mason Rudolph fan out there, or maybe a Pittsburgh Steelers fan out there. That's delusional because most Steelers fans are delusional. But, you know, Mason Rudolph's going to be my must-sit here this week. As mentioned, 11.5 fantasy points the week before, or I should say last week, and then 20 points the week before. Just not, you know, enough consistency for me, especially going up against this Ravens defense that's really good from top to bottom, whether they're starting their guys or not. I just think more than anything, you know, for the Steelers, I think they're going to have their uh, hopes dashed a little bit, um, especially, you know, just with Mason Rudolph and the Steelers as a whole. So, no reason to be starting Mason Rudolph in your fantasy championship unless you seriously don't have a quarterback or you have a late scratch or something like that. Or you're in a super flex league as well and you're looking for a quarterback to fill in the role there. Like I said, I don't see him getting anywhere you know, near 20 points. I think you you really realistically got to think of Mason Rudolph getting anywhere probably less than 15, 16 points. I just don't think that's enough to help you win a fantasy championship. Unless you got a guy like Brees Hall on your roster or CeeDee Lamb that consistently give you 40, it seems like, a week. Okay, your sleeper. So my sleeper, I'm going to go with Isaiah Likely. I believe he will play in this game. At least he'll play uh, the first half, which is just, I think, well, even if he does only play the first half, he'll be good enough. Last week, yes, he only had the two receptions, 42 yards, but both those catches were touchdowns. Uh, since the Mark Andrews injury and since he's taken over, uh, he's averaging right around four uh, receptions on right about five to six targets. Uh, in that time, four catches, 40 yards, five catches, 83 yards, a touchdown, five catches, 70 yards, touchdown, three catches, 56 yards, and then, like I said, just last week, two catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown. I think that he's going to be the number one wide receiver or tight end uh, for the team uh, in this game, or number one uh, just receiver in general. Uh, I don't think that the, I don't think Odell, I don't think Zay Flowers, any of them will be playing. I think likely he's going to be a really good target for uh, Huntley right then, right there in the middle of the field. I think that he's going to get you right around probably six catches, right around like 60 yards, and maybe a touchdown here uh, in this game. As I said, he's going to be the number one target here with most likely everyone uh, uh, backup wide receivers being in, none of the starters being in. So I really like Likely this week as just kind of that uh, guy who's able to be there right in the middle of the field. But he's also been able to be, uh, stretch out plays. He's been able to have a lot of yards after the catch. So I could see a dump off here where he goes for like 40, 45 yards. So my sleeper this week is going to be Jalen Warren. I would argue that maybe he's not necessarily a sleeper, but, you know, last week, 19.8 fantasy points. I feel like that went under the radar. Kind of insane having him have that much success and Najee have similar success as well, having both of them, you know, have combined 30, 40 points in fantasy. I like Jalen Warren a lot this week. I really do. You know, 13 carries for 75 yards. That's 5.8 yards per carry. That's really good. And then obviously get into the end zone. It's the first time he got into the end zone since week 11. So I think he's going to get fed the rock a little bit more. He is the PPR back as well. So if you're in a PPR league, it seems like a win-win situation. Really can get you anywhere from four to six catches consistently and feel comfortable about that. And then the receiving yards that come with that. So looking at this matchup here, I'm going to go with Jalen Warren as my sleeper. I know Najee has been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. He is currently questionable at the moment. And for some reason, Najee can't go. It obviously opens the door to a lot of success from Jalen Warren. So I think all signs point to a positive outcome from Jalen Warren. He is, you know, right now the 20th position ranked running back and averaging about 12 points per week. 
and rostered in 80% of leagues. So he's a guy that can flip into your flex position or your running back two position, depending on how you know your roster is built. But he's a guy that I think is going to have success, even though I don't think Mason Ruff is necessarily going to. I think the running game is still going to be efficient there, and Jalen Warren is going to be a big part of that, both running and catching the football for the Steelers. And then your bust. So my bust, I'm going to stay at that Steelers-Ravens. Uh, but I'm going to go Steelers. I'm going to go Deontay Johnson. Uh, I don't expect Rudolph, Mason Rudolph, to do what he did last week. Now, he didn't throw any, any touchdowns or any interceptions. He was 18 for 24, so 75% completion, 274 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if he had less than 170, 160 yards for how good the Ravens' defense is. Uh, I think they're going to take away J- uh, Johnson, who was the number two wide receiver, four catches, 76 yards. Uh, George Pickens had a really good game there. Um, I really just don't expect the Steelers' offense to really be able to move the ball that efficiently. I think it will be on the ground if they do with Najee and Warren. Again, um, maybe he'll have a touchdown or two, uh, but I don't expect him to have many yards. I think it's going to definitely come from the ground, and I expect Deontay Johnson, or I don't think Deontay Johnson is going to have a big game, especially with uh, Pickens already. But almost having double the receive, receiving yards and double the receptions in their first uh, game with Mason Rudolph at, quarter, at starting quarterback. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew again. I think I used him as a bust last week. But, you know, last week he wasn't terrible as far as a good quarterback for the Colts, right? 224 yards, one touchdown, equated to 13.26 fantasy points. Again, at the end of the day, that's just not going to cut it. I mean, I think Gardner Minshew is going to be fine, depending on how the running game does fare into the, you know, the grand scheme of things. But also Gardner Minshew is the epitome of a game manager. And he's one of those guys that's not going to run the ball very much. And he's not an Anthony Richardson, that's for sure. So, I'm expecting, again, similar situation with like Mason Rudolph, anywhere from 11 to 15 points. 15 probably at the high end, probably even lower chance of a higher chance of getting lower points than 11. So I just think it's a lose-lose situation if you start Gardner Minshew. Uh, but again, some leagues are built different. Maybe you're in a 16-man league. Maybe you're in a 14-man league. Or maybe you're in a super flex league. You need a guy like Gardner Minshew. But I would try to look at other options. I know there's probably not a lot of options at this point in the season, but I definitely try to stay away from Gardner Minshew as much as possible. Thank you guys for listening to another episode here on The Truth. If you guys did enjoy it, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information you don't want to miss. Make sure you guys also follow The Truth on Instagram and TikTok at the.tt.truth as we do an Instagram Live every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Then post the highlights and clips from those Instagram Lives on our Instagram and TikTok pages. Are you looking to find a drink that offers peak hydration, raises your energy levels, speeds up your recovery, and keeps your mind sharp through focus and memory? Look no further than with Acid Rainwater. I'm excited to partner with Bloodline Sports AZ and Acid Rainwater, which focuses on peak hydration and productivity, while also maintaining an ecosystem-friendly product. Use code HESSON15, that's hessson one five for 15% off every purchase. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.